You could have killed those girls. Now, that would have been interesting. What? What did you just say? Death just shows the ultimate absurdity of life. What is this? Are you trying to get me to lose my temper because I'm about to put you through that goddamn window? See? That's what I mean. Life is absurd. Don't say that! God forgive you! There is no God. Hey! Where is this coming from? What, what do they teach you to scrap at school? Is this this new English teacher, Mr. Clark? Uh, where is he from? Answer me! Oberlin. You want him to read something other than Hustler? Hello? He got to sign this stranger. You want him to be an educated person? What do you think education is? Are you just make more money? This is education. Do you ever think, like, why were we born? Madame de Stael said, in life one must choose between boredom and suffering. Go to your room. This is Waffle On Podcast. And welcome to Waffle On Podcast, a podcast that delves into classic television and film from around the world. My name is Simon Meddings. Hello, what the hell was that? What about <laughs> you can introduce yourself. Hello, I'm Mark Kelly. That's a very formal way of introducing well, it. I thought I thought we'd pro it up a bit, yeah. pro it up a bit. What do you reckon? Nah, good? Not, not nah let's go back to being self-deprecating. That suits oh. us more. All right, welcome to Waffle On Podcast. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> so uh, as I as I try and get the script up. So, um, how are you? I'm all right. How are you? Not bad. It's a Monday. It's I've just had a, a, a fantastic uh, um, chocolate bar. <laughs> so I always, uh, listen, listeners, you always get something uh, uh, highly unusual, and I'm not talking about anything like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you won't be able to do a podcast, because I don't know team. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not editing this out, because I haven't got time. Um, yeah, yeah, it's good, isn't it? Yeah. No, no, it was a very good Cadbury's Mint Roll. No, no, uh, all for all, it's just like there, Cadbury's Mint Mini Rolls. It was good. They are amaze balls. It was good, amaze balls. Someone said that, and I'm a celebrity. Yeah. It's actually in the... Uh, Dictionary, actually, you can say. It. Is it? Yeah, yeah. How low we have gone. Yeah, yeah. The OEDs, no more. <laughs> and you know, uh, we've got it in there, Tim Burgess, the singer at the Charlatans. Yeah, well, I don't like him anymore. There you go. Shit hair. Oh, we probably lost all the all the female listeners there. Uh, well, all, there you go. all three of them. <laughs> um, so, Cal, uh, uh, let's get on some news, what we've been up to. We had the podcasters meet up last, uh, last Saturday. Alternatively, Podcast piss up. Podcast piss up, yeah. Um, so we're going to give some shout out to the people we do strongly recommend. We're not going to shout out to, to that uh, woman who uh, tried to, uh, to, uh, to sell us Oh, to leave. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, yeah. Mate, there's no way of saying No, But um, Lee Metcalf and, uh, and Dan Bernard, who, who are from the wonderful Black Dog podcast, uh, a, great, a great podcast I talk about. They talk about films and they also talk about crap like we do. And uh, they have regular guests on there, including Jim Moon uh, from Hitler Bobs, who also was there on. 
on a, on a Saturday. Of course, Lee uh, Lee ended up going walkabout, um, trying to get back to his hotel, and ended up in the darkest seeds of uh, of Birmingham's which back street, which <laughs> I don't recommend to anybody, even people who come from Birmingham. And uh, he was proposed, shall we say, yeah. by a lady of the she night. She wants to perform an act. Did, yeah, <laughs> and, I mean, I'm not going to say exactly what she said. Just go listen to the Black Dog podcast because it's hilarious. What they said. Needless to say, obviously he declined, and uh, I don't blame him at all. Um, along with those three gentlemen, there was uh, Anthony, Darren, and Ian from the Scuttercast. Yes. There was Wendy and Deal from Sending a Wave. There was Dan Vieira from there was the Dan Out Vieira, of yeah. Range podcast. There uh, was Ollie Peters from Six Paul Claw. Yeah, the man yeah. who uh, who who um, he was in his element, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He actually didn't drink an awful lot and still ended up um, um, hurting both his elbows. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, he did that. Yeah. And uh, anyone else? Anyone else? Was there uh, anyone else there? Uh, oh, uh, um, ca- occasional guest of Waffle on Pete and Donna Turner. Oh, they did turn up. That was a good old. Uh, it was a damn good old, uh, good old booze. Up. So go check out those podcasts. Hopefully, we haven't. Uh, I don't think we've left them on out. Can't remember to be fair. No, you but was quite, you was quite drunk by the end. Yeah, was man. We went back was. to the hotel at half one. Carried on drinking, only one more beer. Yeah, I had a photograph taken with a guy who looked like Mario. From yeah, yeah, Mario yeah. Brothers. Check out the Facebook page, ladies and gentlemen. You'll see what I mean. And this Saturday, one just gone because we are running late through. Because the reason why we didn't record last Monday was that I lost my voice You're, because you of were the, knackered um, last week, weren't you? Man, my voice. I think I'd actually damaged my vocal cords because no, no, um, it's just non-stop talking for eight it hours. It was non-stop talking, and, and it got really loud in there. It did get loud, and we did record some of it, but for oh, some unknown reason, it, my iPhone screwed up. I think it might have been the level of Lee's, Lee's anger thing. towards no, that is Avatar. A good thing. I think, yeah, really. I am never talking about Avatar again. <laughs> Every year, I better not talk about bloody Avatar. Next year, <laughs> Avatar yeah. too. Yeah. Um, and anyway, this Saturday we went to the memorabilia show at the NEC. Me, you, and uh, our mate Ray. It was really and, and like and like they said. The few last few years, it's been it's gone a bit shit, hasn't it, meant mm-hmm. It has because a new did a new company take it over and basically balls it up. I think balls it up. But this year it was back on track. It was really busy. Mm. And there's actually things for us to buy, which isn't Yeah, it wasn't just Star Wars figures. It was uh, uh, Michael Beam was there and his wife. Wasn't it? What a cue for Michael Beam. Yeah, it was amazing, though, what we were saying about him and Hasselhoff out. Yeah, Michael Beam, proper Hollywood star, been in, let's be honest about it, proper classic, cult classic. Alias Terminator. Alias Terminator, loads of uh, true lies. Was he in the Beast? He was in the Beast, and true lies. He's amazing in true lies. Mm. And um, then there was the Hoff. <laughs> now, the Hoff had a big set of instructions that you couldn't do. You remember yeah. that? Yeah. Well, one yeah, of them, you weren't allowed to pose, were you? No posing. No having a... Yeah, no photographs. Although, according to his Twitter thing, actually, he, there was a lot of pose photographs taken with him. So but the thing is, what we were saying, Hoff doesn't realise it's ironic why people like him. I don't think he understands it, does no, he? No, I don't think it's he It's irony. That. Well, Jen was saying from, from uh, the Anomaly podcast, she was saying that in America, he is, he is a joke in America. He's a joke over here Yeah, but well. for some reason, he don't believe it, over It's because we're too polite. Everyone's too polite to him yeah I saw but you remember that guy who walked past us dressed as the first doctor but he was about six foot six foot five and yeah, bald yeah, yeah. he had a picture taken next to him doing the first doctor pose but he was bald <laughs> didn't even have a wig on <laughs> to try and, put a wig on. And, and again Kel every year we say it and I'm sorry yeah we had to because right. I thought it weren't as bad this year until there was uh, like look at ah Bisto <laughs> <laughs> there was some there's no excuse for not wearing deodorant. He does get in hot now. I know. No, it's like I said, it's the cosplay way, stuff in it. He does, he does, the cosplay stuff doesn't help when you're wearing stuff that's basically just like that. Right <laughs> yeah. so. And but some of these men, they, how can we put it? They're not svelte, are they? They're not the no. skinniest, are I'm, they? And, and, and look, I, I'm no, 
I'm no, uh, I'm no crisp and blubber. Yeah, yeah. I'm not thin at all no, no, by no. any means, and you know, there ain't no change in that. I've just no, been no. eating chocolate meatballs. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but you know, come on, you look, would lads, not wear no tight t-shirts. It'll fit in to the clothes. rising up. No, you know, it's like, I don't want to see people's way. No, the the the, the barmaid. At, yeah, uh, and at uh, the thingy, yeah, that's at, different. Uh, if I walk around looking like that, looking like that, who half of the belly button? The jacket, no, not when not when he's blatant fluffing. I don't want to see it. Don't want to put it away. But every year, put it away. I don't know someone I've noticed that it's getting more and more because it's not a thing that we're into, really, is it? Cosplay, not we're really. We're cool, like, like we are, we're undercover geeks, aren't we? Yeah, we are. So, uh, well, we're we proper geeks, I think. Yeah, yeah, make an effort. We, we know, we know what we like. I know like bad people dress up. If you want to dress up, so be it. All, I'm all for uh, fun. If you dress, dress it up in manga, it's, getting, it's definitely getting bigger and bigger, isn't it? There was a bloke, uh, there was a bloke, and I t- tried to take a picture of the Night Rider car, and uh, this guy walked in with a long black cloak. I was like, Who the hell are you? He was dressed as a. What's his name? Jason King, Peter Wingard. For that Flash. was a strange thing to. It was and I thought, wow, that looks that good. Until he turned well. around and I saw that he'd made his mask out of paper pla- <laughs> pa- paper <laughs> and sprayed it gold. I was thinking, it's, it's not. It's but it looked good from a distance. It, it didn't yeah. look like. A bit like those porn girls. They looked like right from a distance until you got up close. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, I should I should point out there wasn't there wasn't a porn film going on. There was glamour girl. They're classed as glamour girls. Yeah, and um, and my god, you could see why they wear makeup. They've lived face like a welder's bench. Some of them. Yeah. Oh yeah. Again, you weren't looking at the face, were you? Exactly. <laughs> don't look at the mantle police when you're poking the fireplace. <laughs> well, don't you like that face from a welder. Face, <laughs> like, a welder. face <laughs> like a welder's bench. <laughs> so um, yeah, we better talk about what we're talking about. Cal, what are we talking about? We're talking about the greatest TV show ever made. The Sopranos. And what do we do before we talk about it? Play the theme tune, which is one of the greatest theme tunes. And it's the full theme tune, I should point out as well. And after three days of drinking with never love, I just get an inkling to go on home. So I'm walking down Cold Harbor Lane, head hung low, three or four in the morning. The sun's coming up and the birds are out singing. I let myself into my pad. Wind my way up that spiral staircase and stretch out nice on just a feel. Hit the camp because the rift is already on the CD player and I just push that remote button to sublimity. And listen to the sweet sculptural rhythms of Charles Mingus. And G.R. Monroe's and Jackie McLean, duet on no saxophones and... The sound makes its way out the window, mingling with the traffic noises outside, you know. All of a sudden I'm overcome by a feeling of brief mortality. Cause I'm getting on in the world, coming up on 41 years, 41 stony grave steps towards the grave. You know, the box awaits its grizzly load, now I'm gonna be food for worms. And just like Charles Mingus wrote that beautiful piece of music epitaph for Eric Dolphin. I say, so long Eric, so long John Coltrane and Charles Mingus, so long Duke Ellington and Lester Young, so long Billy Holiday and Ella Fitzgerald, so long Jimmy Reed, so long Muddy Waters, and so long Howlin' Wolf. This morning, got yourself a gun Your mama always said you'd be the chosen one She said, one in a million, you got to burn the shine You were born under a bad sign With a blue moon in your eye And you woke up this morning, I'm all that love had gone 
right and wrong Ain't no job, but you're looking for good Baby, I believe that you're a feeling fine Shake my body, moan or a bad sign With a blue moon in your eyes So sing it now Wake up this morning Alabama 3 or known as A3 in America because uh, so that there wasn't any confusion with uh, Alabama something is it the Alabama Blind Boys or that's something? the one yeah, well, yeah, done, yeah. well done Mr. Music Man yeah, yeah, yeah. That. Uh, that's from the album um, Exile on Cold Harbor that's we the Yes, we and it did. Was quite a rough crowd. <laughs> it was a rough crowd, but uh, yeah, I was really into the Sopranos. Now, I was in the Sopranos before the Sopranos. Came. Oh, I was into Alabama Three before the Sopranos. Yeah, the album was out before out. the. It was out before then, but I think it was the you're know, using this mix, uh, the mixed version of this, the, uh, the thing that really kind of got them famous, like a lot of TV shows do. Well, I think but they're I probably still getting money from it, isn't they? I bet they're still. Almost daily, yeah. It really does work. Really does work well with it, doesn't it? It's a, it's a, it's a, I've got those where they where it's. It, it, 
as we'll go further into it, it's like David Chase. That's why he's amazing because his music choices in it were absolutely amazing. And yeah. if you, where on earth did you hear Alabama Three? Yeah, because they, I mean, they, uh, the thing about Alabama Three is, uh, is that they uh, they speak like, as you heard on the thing that they are singing, is sort of like very American style, you know, walk up. The, but they're actually from Brixton. Yeah, yeah, they're rough and, as well. And one of them's from Scotland. And, well, they, and they're all ex drug addicts. Drug addicts, weren't they? That's yeah. what it is, yeah. And that's why it's all about Cold Harbor Lane. Yeah. The, the, the album actually does tell a really good story throughout everything and it's really worth getting hold of and I think they brought an anniversary on it because they've been going for a shit yeah, like everything like you were saying earlier on slight diversion the most shocking news that we heard today was about the anniversary of I know Radiance Machines 20 years old <laughs> what the hell so um, we're not going to play any clips apart from the clip that you heard at the beginning of this podcast um, purely because of the fact that if it, you know the Sopranos or you're going to go see it it's laden with uh, expletives, and I'm not a one to be. It's dialogue heavy as well. It's yeah, not as it's, if it's so wordy. It's yeah. like putting a bit of a play on, isn't it? Mm. You wouldn't put like uh, or a Mike Lee film. You wouldn't put a. It don't mean anything unless you know the scene. Yeah, and it's very very talky. So it's not as and, and the characters apart from Tony, we're gonna have Tony being angry and swearing, which he mainly does. Yeah, and also as well, I mean, but they do play. I mean, I, I bought the soundtrack. I can't find it. Well. I bought the soundtrack when this series came out. And um, I can't find it anywhere. And originally, I was going to start playing some songs throughout these. I may still add on. We won't, we won't introduce it. If you, if you suddenly hear a song come on, then you know the reason why. If not, then that's because we're trying to get these podcasts podcast, podcast out, out as quickly as we can. But we are going to play. What song are we going to play? We're going to end the show on. The last song played in the thing, which is uh, Journey, Don't Stop Believing. Yeah, and you want to claim that back, don't you? I do, because it was, re- it was taken by Glee, mm. and there's all these really rubbish versions of it. And I'm not a massive Journey fan, but it's a great little pop record. Mm. But I just think of it as the end of Sopranos, like, what the hell is going to happen? Because yeah. that song... We'll talk that, about that then, though. Uh, yeah, but there you go. it's very important to do with the story, what yeah. that song is. And now people think of it as bloody Glee. <laughs> and I've got no problem with people liking Glee. Mm. It's just not... For me. Not for me, no. Uh, now, I'll be telling you, I really was into The Sopranos up to around about season three, season three, series three, and then stopped watching it purely for the fact that uh, I couldn't. Uh, you're still thinking of getting it though, aren't you? Because it's, yeah. it's a really a good price. I'm going to go and get it on, uh, on just a normal DVD yeah. because it's on a really good price. I think it's about 40 quid or something like that. So, price. any Christmas money I'm going to end up with yeah, that. Amazing. Cal watched it throughout, so Cal's going to be thrown in with some facts. twice. Twice, right? twice. Uh, He's going to be uh, in, interrupting me as I go along, and uh, please do interrupt me otherwise I'll just keep on talking yeah. as per usual yeah. uh, but also you'll be uh, phoning in some true facts about oh, Matthew information so let's have a little bit of a chat about the old you know where it all comes from I think so it was written by David Chase uh, well he actually wrote 30 episodes of this created by David Chase other writers uh, such as Terrence Winter Robin Green and Matthew Weiner 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 yeah, <laughs> could it be Weiner he's a Weiner um, you know it's <laughs> it starred uh, Jan Gandolfini Eddie Falco Michael Imperio Lorraine Bracco Stephen Van Zandt uh, to name just a few there were six series in total number of episodes was 86 and it was filmed primarily in New Jersey, mainly Essex, Bergen and Hudson countries. And of course at Silver Cup Studios, running times 45 to 60 minutes. And its original channel was at Genius Channel HBO and then ran from January the 10th, 1999 to June the 10th, 2007. And I'll tell you something uh, that's quite interesting about that. It was bounded. It was about the fourth company that was he tried to sell it to. Three, uh, ABC and... Uh, I don't know. I don't know all the networks. For all anyway, the sort of three were all turned it down because they said no one is going to be interested in seeing the mafia when they're not doing crime. Mm. Because the point of the series is 
the crime is what they do. It's when they close the door, that's when the interest starts in the Sopranos characters. It's what these people who are doing really explicit, horrible things, how they live normal lives, because people do live normal lives. Mm. They ain't running around stabbing and shooting people 24 hours a day. They've got normal lives. And, and all these channels said no one will be interested in the mafia. Well, let's be honest about it. Goodfellas is one of the greatest films ever made and The Godfather, so people are interested in it. And it was HBO who took it up for a reduced fee because that, they would take it but on a reduced fee. I think it's, I think it's one of those, one of those um, facts or one of those you know, kind of uh, realms of information which is also a little bit like the Second World War, you know, a bit like Nazi Germany to a certain degree. Um, people are interested in... You know, not not being macabre or anything, but people are interested, are interested in, what, in the, the, the story of like um, you know the Holocaust and what happened to, to Jewish people and everything that happened in the Second World War. Because it's almost one of the things where you shouldn't really be interested, in, but you are interested. One because it's history, obviously. Yeah. But also because I think people like watching bad guys because bad guys tend to be more interested. Well, exactly. Like I was when when I was a kid, I watched a cowboy movie. You get the man with the white hat and the man with the black hat. Mm. The white hat would always beat the man with the black hat. Like High Noon and all that. I was interested in the people in the black hat, how they'd made their decisions to get to where they were. So I don't you're, care you're, about you're a Lee Van Cleef, not a Clint Eastwood. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, that is a brilliant thing because I always preferred Lee Van Cleef. Mm. He was my favourite character in that. To you're Brenner in Westworld. To, the, to the point we named our band. Yeah, we named our band. And I thought, <laughs> I was always more interested in these bad, these so called bad people, mm. how they made decisions or how can they live their normal life and do things like that which a lot of career criminals do. Mm. They may murder people, but they'll probably go home and be the nicest person. Like Med Freddy Fraser. Exactly. <laughs> that is it. Sorry, most people who've got an inquisitive mind are interested in people like that. Mm. Not the people who would do good things and do good things when they go home. That's easy. I, and that's what David Chase was... I'll, I'll talk about more of this as we go through it, yeah. but David Chase... You know, he took this. Are you, are you saying people people are more interested in the likes of Chopper than they are Gandhi? Exactly. <laughs> Gandhi's an interesting character, but I'd rather mm. I'd rather watch a film about Chopper Reed. Yeah. Best use of best best use of Gandhi, apart from Red Dwarf, don't I bore me, Gandhi? Yeah, yeah. He's uh, in the A Team. When, he, uh, when Hannibal turns around and quotes uh, uh, Mr. T crap Mr. T when he's gone all uh, oh, religious yeah, yeah. Uh, he's looking at his books and, he, and uh, Hannibal turns around and says that quote and he goes who said that it was Gandhi about fighting for your right and all that kind of stuff yeah yeah, yeah. oh no that's, that's, they're interested and this is not about me um, glorifying no it's not there's no glory in the Sopranos no not at all which is weird in a bit I'll tell you something about a story about Although, the real family about that yeah apart from but the, yeah, I will tell you something very, I will tell you something very interesting about that when it's gone well anyway but um, no it's a, <laughs> it's a I, that, to think that HBO it's, it's accepted now that we, you do that mm. like Breaking Bad it's about a drug dealer mm. the interest is not his drug dealing it's about how we become a drug dealer it's quite common now on TV and also, oh, also that, about the disintegration of a character Exactly, Breaking Bad, which is what it's all about. Yeah, loads of it's quite common now to get it in the uh, the Wire and the Shield and Oz and oh. all these things like that are quite common. But I'd never saw that before because we don't really do that in our country. We don't. The the bad guys are always the bad guys in our thing. In a, a lot of American drama, it's quite quite uh, the, it's morally ambiguous where you don't. You know, good people can do bad things and mm. bad people can do good things as well. Yeah, and that's what the Sopranos is all about. Anyway, I don't want you. We'll get away because this is one I like talking about. No, no, no. As I said, I am. I am not going to interrupt you. I'm going to sit back and uh, let the the ball roll. So, look, here's the conception. So, 
And uh, I'm going to be reading these out, so if I do end up sounding boring, Kel, just uh, jump oh, in and uh, punch me. Okay, so now before creating The Spinos, David Chase had worked as a television producer for over 20 years. Now, Kel, this, I'm going to read you some of these off that. I know you, you're going to be interested here. Colchak the Night Stalker, he was uh, on the producers of that. Honestly! Um, <laughs> yes, he was, yeah. Yeah. Holy shit! That's absolutely brilliant because you know that's one of my all-time, that's all-time do, favorite things. And I've got that in a bootleg DVD because I'm too cheap to buy the new ones. <laughs> all the things blurred at the back, so that's why I can't. That's really uh, Switch the Rockford Files are far away, and finally the one that actually uh, probably made his name was of course Northern Exposure. Now the story of the Sopranos was initially conceived as a feature film about a mobster in therapy having these problems. And he had some input from his manager, Lloyd Braun. Now, Chase decided to adapt it into a television series, and in 1995, he signed a development deal with the production company Bill Stein Gray and wrote the original pilot script, drawing heavily on his personal life, especially growing up in New Jersey. Chase has stated that he tried to apply his own style of family dynamic to mobsters. For instance, the tumultuous relationship between uh, Tony Soprano and his mother, Livia, is partially based on Chase's relationship with his own mother. Chase was also in therapy at the time and modelled the character Dr. Jennifer Melfi after his own psychiatrist. Chase has been fascinated by organised crime and the mafia from an early age, which I presume quite a lot of people are who are brought up in that area. As the series is partly inspired by the... Oh no, I might say this wrong, so please wow. correct me. Uh, the Boado, Boado family? B-O-I-A-R-D-O. Now... now- I've heard that, but it's not. It's, it's just not. what David Chase says. The actual no. family it's based on is the Delvacanti family, who are from Elizabeth in New Jersey. That 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 is he he's argued hmm. the toss about this. Oh, it's okay. not based on real people. Yeah. It's not based on real people. I will tell you some things later on as we go through it. Mm. Then tell me if you think there's a coincidence in okay. it as we go through it, right? And what's that it, family called? Again? The Delvacante. There's a feel, There's a really good book if anyone wants to read it, and it's called. I can't think of the, the right of the moment. But it's called. Uh, it's called uh, Men of Honor, and it's the true story of the Delvacante family. And that, you know they were seen as crap mafia, right? Right. Yeah. The, you've got the five <laughs> families of New York, right? The five families of New York, the mm. Bonanno, the Colombo, uh, the Genovese, the Bonanno, and I can't think of the bloody other, Gambino. They're the five families, and then you've got the Sikh family is seen as their crap brothers. <laughs> they were called derogatory farmers. Oh, All the five families called them farmers because mm. they worked in the country, right? They were seen as the rubbish the rubbish mafia, yeah. right? It was only because of this TV series that that mafia had any standing in the mafia because what happened was all the five families all got arrested in the big mob trolls in the 80s and the 90s. There was no one left <laughs> to tick up the rackets. Who took up the rackets? The farmers from New Jersey. Yeah. And that's where he got the idea of saying, oh, wow, they've got a new standing. Right. There's a lot of stories because in it, one of the people calls them farmers in it. It's only used once because... They were warned not to use this term. Oh, because it's too close to home. It was very, very derogatory mm. term to call someone a farmer because they see themselves as businessmen, not bloody farmers. Ah, okay. Excellent, excellent. I like this. Mm, yeah, I'm yeah. liking this a lot. Now, David Chase is, of course, Italian American, mm. although I do have issues with um, uh, that kind of thing. You know my views at that, I think. Uh, it's a very strange thing. I don't, I don't like African American usage no, of that no, because, really... in my mind, if you're born in America, you're American. It's yeah. like I can't, people started adopting it over in England. It's like, no, if you're born in England, you're English, mate. You're not yeah, but how far do you want to go back? I'm Ethiopian English. Yeah. Uh, 
50,000 years ago, my ancestors lived in Ethiopia. Yeah. How far do you want to keep <laughs> going back? It annoys me, but hey ho. Yeah, so Adair is Hayes Taylor American, and his family name is D. Cesare. Uh, I'm going to get a load of these things wrong. Yeah, so, no, it does. Uh, I, I do, do apologise. It's quite. It's why they all have nicknames in the mafia. Yeah. People know who everyone's called yeah. because they can't, can't say. say. Uh, now, the pilot episode originally referred to uh, as interestingly as pilot, uh, but then was renamed to Sopranos on the DVD lease. Was shot in '97. Chase directed it himself, and after the pilot was finished and shown to HBO executives, the show was put on hold for seven months. And during this time, Chase considered asking HBO for additional funding to shoot 45 more minutes of footage to release it as a film but HBO decided to produce a series and ordered 12 more episodes for a 13 episode season and the show premiered on HBO as we said on January the 10th 1999 with the pilot episode and The Sopranos was the second hour long television drama series produced by HBO the first being the prison drama Oz yeah well you know I'm a massive fan I'm yeah. a massive fan of Oz he's but I'd, I'd say Sopranos is actually what made HBO yeah Oz was their first original because they've been at HBO, have been around for a long, long time, but they were just mainly showing films and things. Mm. That was their first. We're going to put money into a drama and make it without adverse. Because remember, HBO has no adverts. Mm. They've got no censorship. You can put a name like, let's see what someone can do with drama. And Oz was the one. But you're right. It was the primos that the HBO took off. Yeah. And look at it now. It's so so it's obvious. So rich. And yeah. I've heard a rumour they're thinking about doing a HBO Europe as well. Ooh, really? Yeah, that's Looks what I've like I know where my script's going. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, look, casting. Now, we're going to talk a little bit more about the characters uh, in a little bit because there's, you know, they are quite important. So we'll talk about the actual characters after uh, we talk about the series, but let's just talk a little bit about the casting. So, a lot of the characters they portray in the show, many of the actors on The Sopranos are Italian-American. Many cast members had appeared together in films and TV series before joining the cast. Now, the series shares a total of 27 actors. We're not going to go for all of those. Uh, with the 1990 Martin Scorsese gangster film Goodfellas, including uh, main cast member Lorraine Brecco and, of course, Michael Imperio. Imperio? Imperio? Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Michael, was that? And, of course, Tony Serco. Now, eight soprano actors also appeared in the 1999 comedy Mickey Blue Eyes. Several... Mickey Blue Eyes. Um, comedy being the appropriate word of uh, no. Uh, several soprano actors have also appeared on Law & Order. Now, the main cast was put together in the process of auditions and readings, as usual. Uh, and actors often did not know whether Chase liked their performance or not. Uh, Michael Imperioli, <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm so yeah, yeah, no, no, um, who beat out several it's actors the part, yeah, yeah, yeah. of uh, Christopher uh, Moltisanti, because he's got a poker face, so I thought he wasn't into me, and he kept giving me notes and having me do it again, which is often a sign that you're not doing it right, and I thought, I'm not going to get this. So he said, thank you, and I left. I didn't expect to hear back. And then they called. Chaser also said he wanted him purely because he had been in Goodfellas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, James Gandolfini was invited to, to audition for the part of Tony Soprano after casting director Susan Fitzgerald saw a short clip of his performance in the 1993 film True Romance. Oh, no, it's one of the most extreme, violent... It's really thin in it as well, isn't it? <laughs> to really think it's not True Romance, it's sort of to me, it's the forgotten <coughs> about Quentin Tarantino film. I still think, as a film, it's one of... It, 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 I, I, there ain't many better films he's done, because you think that's a proper story, and that was his first story. His as first well, film, right? And it's brilliant. Mm. You think of them like Drexel, Gary Oldman, mm. and, the, you know, Mark Keaton's in it, he's amazing. Hopper. It's an... 
Christopher Walken scene he's just amazing it's like everyone talks about Reservoir Dogs and bloody bloody blah but I think as a film I think it's a better film than Reservoir Dogs directed by the late Tony Scott of course I know yeah yeah, one of his better films because I'm not a massive Tony Scott fan but well not anymore I don't know I laughed I was going to say that was a bit evil laugh there sorry Lorraine Braco who played the role of mob wife Karen Hill in the course Goodfellas brilliant thing was originally asked to play the role of Carmela but she took the role of Dr. Jennifer Malfoy because she didn't want to be because obviously the wife of the yeah, yeah, yeah. very similar very similar well it is very similar the fact that they're, they're a husband and wife but of course I think her character Karen Hill is totally different than what uh, so, uh, yeah. that um, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. um, the role of uh, Camilla is actually you know um, Tony Serco who has a criminal background signed on to play uh, Paulie Warnock so we'll talk about him in a little bit yeah. now, uh, <laughs> uh, as his character uh, he said he only played the role of Paulie Warnock as long as the character was not to be a rat Chase invited musician Little Stephen Van Zandt, uh, also known, mainly known, of course, as being a lead guitarist uh, or with the guitarist, whatever he's in Bruce Springsteen's E Street Band. Um, now, I'm, I was a huge, I still am a big Bruce Springsteen fan. I don't know, I don't know. He's one of them, I always enjoy listening to Bruce Springsteen, but I don't own any of the stuff. Loads um, of stuff, I got like, I that with the Eagles. Yeah. I love the yeah. Eagles, but I've never bought any of them. I remember seeing him, remember recognising him, thinking, I recognise him from somewhere, and suddenly it dawned on me, he yeah. was in in the band now Van Zandt had never acted before and uh, he eventually agreed to star on the show as Mark uh, Cervante Dante Silvio Dante sorry. Yeah. and his real life space Maureen was cast as his on screen wife Gabriella yeah you didn't really see her that much in it no no but still is it, uh, I always find still the most interesting character because he, 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 he owned the Bada Bing Bada Bing yeah yeah I've got to say a little f- the Bada Bing yeah yeah no. uh, not based on anything real that weren't apart from the real bloke had one called Wiggles yeah it is actually a strip club though yeah yeah real life yeah no it is now oh yeah it is now it it weren't at the time it was was. yeah it was uh, but they had to work around uh their hours Uh, oh you are right yeah but I mean it was I'm 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 jumping ahead of myself so I'll pull a bit I'll tell you something interesting about that club um (laughs) No, but uh, what were you saying then? No, you go, go, go on. Tell oh, no, I was just, I was going to say that uh, this is where life imitates art because uh, he, Tony owned the club, hmm. really, but couldn't have it, obviously, because he couldn't get with the money come, so he had to still run it. Yeah. Right? The real bloke who Tony Soprano was based on was a bloke called Vincent Palermo, who was called... Uh, Vinny Ocean his nickname <laughs> amazingly because he worked in a fish market when he was young <laughs> so it weren't the greatest in him it was good Vinny Ocean he nicked the fish when he was young so he got, this is the thing with the map he did one thing there was a bloke in his crew who was deaf his nickname was Tinia Scalari <laughs> <laughs> anyway um, he had a new club he had a, he had a, a strip club called Wiggles right in New York that he yeah. owned but, and the bloke who run it was called Sal Ah, there you go. So you know, it, all, it definitely was based yeah, on these it's, people. It's There's loads good. more I can say about it as we're going through. Keep, keep going, keep going. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so, uh, all the one actors to appear throughout the series was uh, oh jeez, uh, Robert Logia, Joe Pantiliano, Steve yeah. Buscemi, of course, Frank Vincent, uh, Peter Bogdanovich, John Hurd, Robert Patrick, uh, Peter Regard, Annabella Scaloli, David Stratham. Uh, not Jason I yeah. know. Uh, Charles S. Dutton Ken Lung Ben Kingsley Ben Kingsley yeah Lauren Bacall he's amazing Ben Kingsley is he doing a no 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 yeah. no no, no. He? he was in the same episode as Lauren Bacall it was the series where Christopher goes to Hollywood to try and make his film uh, called uh, Cleaver and uh, it's really funny is it it's really funny because he gets really scared by the mafia in it it's a really funny thing <laughs> uh, Daniel Baldwin Tim Kang uh, yeah. Annette Bening 
Sidney Pollock, and of course Bert Young. Bert Young appears to Bert Young. Uh, Bert Young. Bert Young. No, uh, that's one who uh, played Polly in. You know what I was thinking of? Uh, you're thinking of the one out who plays uh, Robin? No. Who are you thinking of? Bert Quack? Who was he? He was playing in Last of the Summer Wild at this point. That's <laughs> oh, yeah. so we've got down the back of the bathtub yeah, yeah. and then he's like, oh, no. Okay, now the majority of the exterior scenes take, t- uh, took place in New Jersey, uh, of course on location. Um, the back room of the Shoe Club Bada Bing and Dr. Murphy's Psychiatry Room was obviously filmed at Silver Cup Studios. The pork store, yeah. a frequent hangout for the mobsters on the show uh, in a pilot episode, was known as Santani's Meat Market. Uh, it's an actual butcher yeah, it's real, yeah. in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Now, after the series was picked up by HBO, the producers leased a building with a storefront in Kimi, New Jersey. For the remainder of the production period, this building served as the shooting location for scenes outside and inside the pork store now renamed Sacriales. After the series ended, the building was demolished. Pork store information, Kurt? Well, when he, when he was a young man, uh, David Chase, he used to drive past with his dad and he used to be sitting outside holding courts and he used to sit exactly like that. Mm. He used to sit outside and uh, hold court and he used to think, what, and he used to say to his dad, what are them men doing? Mm. And he would never tell him and he's only when he's older. They were sitting hold that's you know they were that blatant then mm. they didn't work they just sat there doing yeah, favors I, I, yeah because i just started reading uh, henry hill's book and oh, uh, it's very much in the there's so much missing isn't it the film of his, of his young no, life they could, could make a really good film of just his young life which you know, know? well i can tell you interesting you know goodfellas he's one of the greatest films i've made uh the book is even better um at the moment they're doing working on writing a script for a TV series of the book. Oh. So you're going to see all of it because the main thing is the prison bit in the book goes on for. He was in there for years, and in the film, it's like a few. He's, like, yeah. he's in there. He has something to eat. But and, there's and, loads. And, and also, they they say the biggest load of bollocks ever on that uh, where. They're slicing the garlic and they say you have to get it as soon as possible. That's crap. No, 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 no. It was just a show off that was. But um, no, but they're doing this TV series and uh, Henry Henry Hill was working on it before he died. He helped do the stuff on it. So there's big work. There's you know I'm looking forward is to that. that HBO thing is it? I'm not too sure because I think it's only in script development at the moment. He's been on about it. They've been on about it for years. He said he always wanted to do this proper story because he always said that in. Uh, in the film, it always looks really exciting. And he said he wanted to show that a lot of the mafia is basically dealing with idiots and sitting in cars waiting for people. Yeah. That's what the mafia is. And extortion. Yeah, extortion. Uh, yeah, extorting people out of week, your own people. Because mm. this is the worst thing about the mafia. They go, with the defenders of the, uh, the Italian-Americans. And all they did was exploit the Italian-Americans. Yeah. That's the <laughs> Irish thing about criminal. They say, oh, we, we protect that area from mm. other people. But we want to rob you. That's the only reason why. Mm. Uh, Bada Bing, the strip club owned and operated by Sylvia Dante, we uh, talked about earlier on, uh, is an actual strip club on Route 17 in Lodi, uh, or Lodi, uh, New Jersey. And exteriors and interiors, except for the back room, were shot on location. The club is called Satin Dolls and was an existing business before the show started. The club continued to operate during eight years the show was filmed there. And as such, a business arrangement, hmm, I always like that word, business yeah. arrangement, was worked out with the owner, locations manager, Mark Carmine, recalls that the owner was very gracious as long as the shooting did not conflict with his business time. Scenes set at the restaurant Vesuvio, owned and operated in the series by character Artie Bucco, were in the first episode filmed at a restaurant called Manolo's, located in Elizabeth. And after the destruction of uh, Vesuvio within the context of the series, Artie opened a new restaurant called Nuvo Vesuvio. The exterior scenes were set were filmed at an Italian restaurant called Punta Dolo, Dola, located in Long Island, in Long Island City. All the exterior and some interior shots of the Soprano residence were filmed on location at a private residence 
in North Caldwell, New Jersey. Oh, I didn't know that stuff at the end. Can I just add, because we haven't got anything about uh, Artie Bucco here yeah. uh, in the script because he's not really a major character because he's a lifelong friend of. He's the only uh, normal Tony. friend he's got. He's the only normal friend and he's treated so badly. What happens to him? In well, the yeah, again, the, the interesting thing with The Sopranos is the last series, there's so many, the, because they knew it was being cancelled. Mm. So he wrote another series and he was going to explain what happened because there's loads of characters that you just don't know. Artie Bucco was really big in about series three and four. He was really big, really, really big. And then he just, I think, basically David Chase thought, right, I'm not going to be able to finish him. I'll just write him out. And he was never in it again. Apart from, you know, the fact that was right at the end, there was a party where he was doing the catering and he goes, all right, Tony. And that was the only time he saw him again. It was, I think, basically, he, had, he didn't want to bring the big story with Artie because what Because the whole thing about that was the fact that they'd all eaten his restaurant but they never paid. They? Well, the rooks, well, like the mafia, they, 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 they talk about the respect. Mm. They don't have to, you know, it's not fear. Mm. And that was the thing. Most, he got he loads of debt problems. The reason he had loads of debt problems was because of Tony and his yeah. friends. And so the only way he could get out was Tony lending money. And it's like, well, there it's you go. That sums it up all over because that's it. They don't have friends. No. They don't, well, they don't even like themselves. Next, they're going to use you, aren't they? The well, that's it. The, the, the mafia is all about usage. Mm. The only reason they have a wife is because it's you've got to do it because they've all got they've all got uh, they've all got uh, mistresses. Which he, uh, I used to, I can't think of the name of it. So um, they've all got them. Yeah, they'll come back to me. But they've all got them. So let's. Uh, this is characters now. So this is where you can uh, yeah, jump right. in a little bit here. Um, now Tony Soprano, played by James, uh, James Gandolfini, is a protagonist of the series. Tony is a capo in the New Jersey-based Demio crime family. And at the beginning of the series, uh, and the acting boss as a season two, he's also the patriarch of the Soprano household. Throughout the series, Tony struggles to balance his family life and his career, ironically, in the mafia because of his proneness to depression. Tony seeks treatment from psychiatrist Dr. Jennifer Malfi, played by Lorraine Becker. In the show's first episode, Jennifer is a divorced Italian-American woman with a son in college, and she treats Tony to the best of her ability, despite the fact that they frequently clash over various issues. Jennifer is usually thoughtful, rational, and humane, with contrast with Tony's personality. Tony and Jennifer also harbour sexual feelings for each other, although Jennifer never openly no, shows or tries to act on it. Adding to Tony's complicated life and his relationship with his wife Carmela, played wonderfully by Eddie Falco. Eddie Falco. I'll tell you an interesting psychological thing about this as well. But in the very last, the uh, penultimate episode, um, Jennifer starts to realise that all this talking has done nothing. Mm. And there's a bit where her husband, that's Peter Bogdanovich, he says, uh, well, he's been reading a new story that um, talking to psychopaths, because Tony's a psychopath really, mm. that um, all he does is encourage them. It's a facilitate them. It makes them feel good that what they're doing, they can't help themselves. And mm. she realises that all that doing had done nothing for him. All he'd done is give him a licence to go and do it because he thought, I can go and forget it by going to the, like, like well, church. Like confessional. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And that had all it become for Tony. He could rant and rave and he didn't want to be helped because he liked, deep down, he, he, he liked to be powerful. Do you, do you think it's one of those things as well? It's like, I mean, me, me and you have always, I mean, me and you have uh, a rarity, I think, in these days. Uh, I've always been faithful to any girlfriend we've got. Yeah, yeah I've never been faithful. Uh, and one of the reasons for that is because the fact we, we, we're never very good at guilt. Uh, couldn't live with it. And I often think that, um, you know, you, people who admit to doing that and so on, they've offloaded their guilt, but they've put that pain and anger, anguish onto the person they're admitting guilt to. That's all affairs do. It hurts the other person because mm. you can live with it, especially because you think, well, if I'm getting a bit or mm. whatever. But it's that person who's got to, that, well, that's it. 
her line falls to bits Jennifer uh, well, she gets raped she, she gets raped mm. she loses her job she starts drinking and all, all this is because uh, because she's taking on all these things she knows what he's up to yeah. that's very very early that he knows he's a mafia there's that. a bit like that in Gross Point Blank where the psychiatrist I think Gross Point Blank come before the Spinos but where um, the psychiatrist is going mad you know because he's like, I can't talk to you and he goes yeah, of course you can talk to me he goes well, I know what you do and he goes well you know it's neither here nor there and you can see that the anger that he's going for he ends up smashing his answer machine well it's like in Analyse This isn't it because that mm. come out the same time which is really weird how that yeah, happens yeah. in Hollywood doesn't it yeah Cause, cause, oh, it's because people overhear what's yeah, going on because Robert De Niro he's getting better but poor old Billy Crystal he's going all through it oh I'd love to see Billy Crystal so that's a more bleak story. Yeah. Anyway, uh, adding to Tony's complicated life in relationship with his wife Camilla, I really do like Edie Falco as well. I actually really find her quite attractive as well. Yeah. She's great in Nurse Betty. Oh she yeah, that's like, really, really good. Uh, which is shown by his constant infidelity. Now, does she always know about his infidelity? Because uh, I saw an episode of the other day, and well, uh, he was sneaking in. He put his wash his well, clothes in the dishwasher. In the, maf- in the, in the mafia, you, you'd expect him to have a thing called a gumbar. Right. Your gumbar is your mistress. Mistress, but it's more—it's more just for sex. Right. You know, if you're a gumbar, you know. Oh, she, that's what my, um, was it? Robin and wrote to me and said, "There's things I could do to her that I'd never do my wife." That's my exactly. Wife it's accepted, right? Hmm. But he's never going to never going to run off with that. Hmm. The it's wife, like Tom knows. Jones. Yeah, the wife knows. <laughs> yeah, he's got a gumbar. That's what he does. Because it's all about. See, the, a lot of the mafia, the mafia mindset is virility. You've got to be violent. Right. You've got to gamble. Now, you've some, got to drink. There's something I want to talk to you about. And you've got to have loads of sex, right. right? This is why Tony. He's, he, he's under so much pressure to be this thing mm. because his dad was, was really ma- his dad, like, I, like I said I always said they could have done a brilliant prequel to Sopranos about his dad and Junior when he was mm. younger I loved to have saw that and, yeah, and that's Junior what, you don't see much Junior's the brother isn't he yeah. no, I love Junior and he's yeah. absolutely he's brilliant in Boardwalk Empire as well but the interesting thing is like because he's he don't want to but the thing is deep down Tony doesn't want to do it mm. and this is the thing I don't think he overly wants to have an affair but he can't help himself because he's got to, mm. right? He doesn't want to. Because every scene you see him having an affair with, he looks bored out of his brain, doesn't he? Well, he's a family man. Yeah. This is the thing is, this is the dichotomy what it's all about. He's half a psychopath, psychopath mobster who, you know, everyone's scared of him. But he's also, he likes his ducks in his yeah. pond and he likes his kids and yeah, he really cares. The, the key, I think the key, I don't know if you agree with it, I'm not read this, but this is my own interpretation, is that the key thing throughout the whole of Spinos is the ducks. Well, of course, it's because the ducks fly at the beginning yeah. and he knows that his family are going to leave him. Yeah. And that's what he's scared of. Where all that, because, he could, because it's a, in series four, he gets thrown out mm. and he falls, to, and all he wants to do He's, he, you know, he lives. He lives with Artie Bucko in a in a in a, in a little flat, mm. and he's loving it at the beginning. He's drinking, eating pizza, yeah, and I remember that, yeah. he's having loads of sex, he loads of hookers. But really, he wants to go home. Yeah. He can't help. He has to keep going home all the while. Yeah. Um, yeah. So of course he's uh, he's strange and with all the infidelity, and he struggles to reconcile the reality of Tony's business with the material world that he has to bring to her. Now, both have a stressful relationship with their two children, the intelligent but rebellious Meadow, by Jamie Lynn Siegler, and troubled underachiever Anthony Jr., played by Robert Lee. He's been a naughty boy. Oh, right? wow. How's There's someone not? who uh, lives imitating art, isn't he? Very much so. I just got sent. I think, did he get sent down? Yeah, Whose everyday teenage issues are further complicated by their knowledge of their father's criminal activities. Hence the reason why I opened this show with that clip that you had on. Uh, which Kelly you haven't heard but uh, I'm sure you hear it when you yeah, yeah. do finally listen to this yeah. well, no I'm listening to this <laughs> now the starring cast include members of Tony's extended family include his mother Olivia played by Nancy Marchland sister Janice 
Uh, Janice is in, really Janice is brilliant. Good, yeah. uh, Emma loved my wife loved Janice, and Janice was only wrote in one episode, and people loved her so much. She was really good, strong, fantastic. Ada Totolo was played that. Uncle uh, Calado Junior Soprano, played by Dominic Cianzi, a uh, really good actor. Uh, nominal boss of the crime family following the death of their active boss Jackie Arpel, senior later depicted as a semi-retired and later still as completely out of the business due to health issues. Cousin Tony Blundetto, played by Steve Buscemi. Yeah. And Christopher Mutianti, played by Michael Empolio. Uh, often returned as Tony's nephew, but actually a cousin by marriage. Both Livia and Janice are shrewd manipulators with emotional problems of their own. Tony's Uncle Junior is involved with his criminal organisation and their family bond ties with their criminal ambitions. Both his cousin Tony and nephew Christopher are also involved with his other family and their actions are further source of conflict. Christopher struggles with drug addiction and alcoholism. He never beats it. He never no, does. That's he never t- does, t- he never does beat it. Yeah. And a desire to gain respect while Tony Blundetto hopes to go straight but has a violent streak very much uh, in the line I think of how good Steve Buscemi is in uh, in anything he, that man does no he's just fantastic like I said uh, he's uh, like I said uh, you know there's a few actors from that in Boardwalk Empire at the moment and he's such a good actor yeah I, I so wish I because I know that would be so much on my street oh it's so, so good it's, uh, it's going to get to the point now because obviously I, I can't afford to have Scott. No, no, it's, it's not, not going to happen yeah. we can't afford it at the moment um, but I know for a while but then again saying, you know what it costs how much is it £25 for Sky do you pay that £25 quid is it something like that that's his 21 a month 21 quid a month I can just buy the box set can't I <laughs> for like 15 quid yeah and that's the reason it's like Ricky Gervais was saying earlier on uh, on um, about oh, that's really interesting and the fact that he's got an idea about it and sooner or later you won't even need channels no. so just, yeah, just, just download yeah, like really you're saying about, about Louis C.K. it's really interesting story yeah, isn't yeah, it yeah. Now, Tony's close circle within the Demio crime family include, uh, now if you want to throw any of these oh, yep. people like, based on if you know, uh, Silvio Dante, played by Stephen Van Zandt, which yeah. we mentioned earlier yeah, on. Yeah. Uh, Paulie Gultelli as Tony Sirlico. Now, Paulie Walnuts. Paulie Walnuts. Now, he's an interesting character because I remember at the time people were talking about Talk about, talk about his hair with <laughs> silver flecks. You know, it's a very Matthew thing to have them silver things because in it, Christopher says he always wants them. Yeah. That's all he wants. He wants these silver. This is how petty they are, right? But it's an interesting thing that in, um, in uh, about 1995, it was, there was a mobster in New York called Joey Smash. Mm. I think you probably knew he got his name from that. He wasn't <laughs> a nice man. Okay. Right? Good. He was a debt collector, right? And he was basically, he had a little crew in Manhattan where the Gambinos, the Gambinos run Manhattan at the street level, right? So the FBI were watching, and every Christmas, he had a big Christmas do, and he'd invite all people from all Manhattan, and they'd come and give him tribute, right? They had this big meal, and they were watching him, and they saw a limo pull up. Two men got out and went into this thing. Hmm. They were thinking, who's that? Get photos. So they're looking at the photos, and they didn't recognise them, because they weren't mafia people. They put it in the computer, it come back, it was Paulie Walnuts <laughs> and the bloke who plays Pussy <laughs> going to see a top mob bloke. Uh-huh. Right? David Chase was not happy about this. And this is where he started releasing the thing that, oh, it's nothing to do with the real. Mm. It was the blurring between reality and there's a. Right. Go on YouTube, if anyone's interested, there's a. Do you think that's the reason why he killed off Pussy's character? Well, I think because the thing is, Pussy's character was it was his only friend. Really, was he, he got caught, was he second or third? Third series. series. He was his only friend. Really, mm. Pussy was his only friend. He was the only apart, person apart from um, Artie. Artie, but not even Artie, he, he, he could get something out of Artie. Mm. Pussy was the only bloke who'd stand up to him. 
Mm. And that's why he liked the pussy. And that's what was the hardest thing, that he killed him. Mm. And definitely, I think that there was a lot going on because there's at least three other actors who were thrown off the Sopranos for doing naughty things. Because loads of people were got in the area thinking, because they put out a big ad in the local thing saying people wanted an Italian-American extract who were quite arrogant to play extras. Now, Mm. what kind of people is that going to attract? It's going to attract people who are on that that level level there anyway I want to act like the mob this is brilliant and it was low and I think it got scary because weirdly I read a book called Break Shot Mm. right and it's about the ally porn industry about the gangs that control the porn industry and there's he's a bloke called Kenny Kenny Gallo his name was he's a a Japanese American he was sitting in his office one day and he had a phone call and he said "I'm, I'm sending someone over to pick up the money for the day you're paying off something yeah. and kick the door in was Paul Walnuts oh. now I only read that about six months ago so basically this was before Sopranos yeah, yeah. he was periphery gangster I, he wasn't the mob well, t- yeah, Tony, I think Tony he was a Tony bit Tony like the way the one was in Reservoir Dogs mm. Because yeah, he was a yeah. criminal, wasn't he? Oh, uh, um, the one who don't say a lot, but he was a proper criminal, wasn't he? Yeah. He wrote loads of people. He's dead now, isn't he's he? He's dead. He died. Loads of people loved him, didn't not, they? Not Lawrence Ben. He's something like that, wasn't he? Oh, God, yeah. But, I mean, he was a... I think... He was a bit, also a little bit like, um, what's his name? He likes to talk to smoke bowels. You know, um, the, the enforcer guy. Harry uh, 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 the Dog, yeah. Yeah, yeah because... No, 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 I don't know, I don't know, because he wasn't a criminal, but he'd done things that but were dodgy. There was acts of... Oh, yeah, there's definitely. And, and then, like I said, there was at least five other characters who went to prison for things. <laughs> um, also, there was uh, Salvatore, Big Pussy, Bon uh, Pentelior, played by Vincent Pastore. Uh Silvio is Tony's conciliary. Conciliary. Thank you, dude. And best friend. Uh, Paulie and Big Pussy are long-time soldiers and close allies who have worked with Tony and his father, Paulie. Uh, Paulie soon becomes a capo and eventually is further promoted to underboss. Also, he turns to criminal organisation at Patsy Paliso, played by Dan Grimaldi, and Fulio Grunta, played by Federico Castelluccio. That weren't bad. No, that's very good. Uh, Patsy is a quiet soldier with a, a head for figures. Fulio is imported muscle from Italy and he's Tony's bodyguard and enforcer. Other significant characters in the Demio family include Bobby Bacala Bacaluzio. Bobby <laughs> like, was the one. You know, Bobby was really, you know, you, you probably wouldn't have saw Bobby. Because Bobby get shot in the Bo- Bobby came into Series 4 and he was the only, he basically started off as uh, Junior's driver mm. and uh, David Chase said, so, he was so good on screen that he thought well I'm, I want to have a mob person who isn't a complete thug yeah. and Bobby wasn't a complete he was a murderer mm. because he, he murdered people but he wasn't a bully most mafia people were bullied a bullied people right that's what become bullies yeah. now did he, did he become a, uh, a wire was, well, no, was he he got, the one who got who was the one who got who poorly wore not like, he takes to a room and uh, Michael and Paulie Paulie shoots him through the back of the head that's pussy no, 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 Pussy got done on a boat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This, you mean the this, one who got the one in No, he was just the morning. That uh, word, I know that word, Bobby Because he, he turned around and said, uh, I'm a made man or something. And he got shot in the back of the head and they dumped him in the gut. We were rats, rats shoved up his mouth. Because that, yeah. That was horrible. Whole pussy, no, I was. Because I found that and I was, cause I was watching some of the episodes on YouTube. No, the violence in it was like, because yeah. everything even talk about it. There wasn't a lot of it in it. Mm. But when it was in it, 
Like violence should be, it should make you look away. Which is reasonable, that's the casino royale was so good. It should make you look away. You shouldn't be lapping it up. You <laughs> no. know, and you know, Big Mambo. Yeah, I see. You know, I, I love over the top violence, but generally it's corny. It's corny. The violence in this is horrible, like in Casino. Yes, it's the baseball yes. bat bit. Ooh. I don't or, know. Or, or the head in the voice. Yeah, mm. it's horrible. It should make you think that bit. That bloody hurts. It's not go. Oh, look at that! Chopping his arms off and legs off and that. I don't mind a bit of security. You know. What's that film with Showing the fire? Setting, What's that film with the fire extinguisher? Oh, you mean uh, irreversible? Ooh. It's disgusting, isn't it? And it's meant to be, but that's the point in the finger. And I think that's why a lot of people did lots of Sopranos. Was the sheer violence in it? But you had it all up in the whole series. It probably wouldn't even have up to an hour. Mm. The violence was the language. Yeah. The violence in that was the way they talked about women. They were all racist. All of them are racist. They talk about bloody, bloody the N word, and you called them. They're racial slur, and they can kill you for it. <laughs> yeah, that was the fun of it. Guido. That's the thing for an Italian man. It's a Guido. Then you know you couldn't agree to kill you in it, but they were constantly ends yeah. and Jews and everything. And, and wasn't that one with the neighbour he called the coos or something? Yeah, well, the coos is like a slut or a yeah. slag. Uh, yeah, uh, Bobby was played by Stephen Schlipper. Uh, uh, I wish I'd looked these up before I did it. Uh, Richie Apple was played by David Pro. Ralph Ciafetto. Now, I know he was quite popular, played by Joe Pantaloni. Uh, he, he was, was the one who was in um, yeah. Goonies, wasn't he? He's absolutely brilliant. He has a fight with Tony uh, over a thing. horse. Yes. And it's one of the most, it's not they as killed good, his horse didn't it's they? not as good as the they live fight because nothing no. will beat that for a fight <laughs> but my god it's a bloody brutal fight yeah, and, and it sums up Tony he beats him up because he killed his horse right because he killed his horse right that's it but, that's a, but there's a beautiful scene that where he turns around where he turns around and he says um an innocent you killed an innocent animal yeah. an innocent and he's so angry killing people it's going back it's going back to the ducks isn't well, it? well everything because he he is that he sees himself as a broken person mm. and it's all front yeah. so anything that's affronted to him he cares for that horse even though you think about it he's got that horse it's illegal yeah. he's, he's skimming but everyone horse, but the it? point is that I love the bit of that because he has that fight and he has you know fair enough he has that fight so what does he do can't deal with the programme phones up bloody phones up Christopher and gets Christopher to come up and cut him up because yeah. he can't do it himself <laughs> because Tony can't do anything in it. This is the thing about all these people. They're all powerful, but they're useless. Yeah. They're all half of me literate. They've got no business but sense. That's, that's, that's the reason why. It's also kind of thing how I think modern, not modern, I won't say modern day is wrong, but how a lot of people in like um, bad areas of, uh, in England and also in America, council estates, yeah. trailer places, I suppose. If you're not educated, you haven't got that chance, then the easiest way for you to get on it like, is to join a criminal organisation. Well, so that's how, how it works, isn't it? Which I think people, until people realise that education is the way forward yeah. and to give education for free, yeah, is the only way you're going to yeah. beat these and criminals because everyone wants to better themselves nobody really yeah, wants a lot to. of criminals have changed that's literally like the, the mafia well, a the lot mafia's of them, had to change well a lot of mafia well they've actually because they're nothing like they used to be um, the mafia's sons well, oh, that's what yeah in the triads mm. but all, what a lot of the mafia people did when they had sons they sent them to Princeton and yeah. Harvard so they've got the, the white most mafia now are white collar crime mm. they've got these things called boiler rooms uh, they call them uh, trunk and uh, no uh, phone and dump schemes. Well, basically, they'll phone up old people twenty four hours a day trying to get them to buy crap, 
and this is what lovely people they are yeah. but they know full well they're not physically at him so in their mind they feel all round they know these women are never going to get the money back no. but that's what they're all done they're all white collar criminals now but it's still extortion to a certain degree isn't it? it's exactly the same whether you're knocking on the door or you're, or you're phoning someone up it's still the same now I'm going to talk about season one and then I'm going to talk about season six so I'm going to skip those in between so you can fill us in on those because I think the most important season is season one and also the most important season is season well, two well if, if, if the Sopranos fans out there they'll know it all there ain't many people who are going to listen to this who've never saw the Sopranos because well, I don't know the majority, not, there's an awful lot of people who actually listen to this programme who, uh, who, uh, who, who don't, um, yeah. don't if this know can the get subject. one person to go and buy the best TV show ever Oh, oh, it'd be absolutely brilliant job. so series one the series begins with Tony Soprano capsing after suffering a panic attack this prompts excuse me this prompts him to begin therapy with Dr Jennifer Malfi gradually the story unveils details of Tony's upbringing with his father's influence looming large on his development as a gangster but more so that Tony's mother Olivia was vengeful and possibly personality disorder that was badly wrote. Um, he's complicated relationship with his wife, Camilla, who's also explored, as well as her feelings regarding her husband's course of nostalgia ties. Meadow and Anthony Jr., Tony children, gain increasingly knowledge of their father's mob dealings. Later, federal indictments are brought as a result of someone in his organisation talking to the FBI. After ordering the execution of Brendan Filoni and the mock execution of Christopher Mazzati, Tony's uncle, Junior Soprano, is installed as boss of the family, following the death of previous boss. Uh, from cancer even though Tony actually controls most things from behind the scenes furious at Junior's plans to have him killed Tony responds to the attempt on his life with a violent reprisal and confronts his mother for the, her role in plotting his downfall she has psychologically triggered a pseudo stroke and Junior is arrested by the FBI on a non-related charge now I'll tell you about the real Go for the it. real New Jersey boss at the time and that is was called Jake Amachu Mm-hmm. Jake Amachi died of stomach cancer put in charge was an 80 year old man <laughs> I can't think of his name now Sperani or Sperani I wouldn't worry you've been doing very yeah, well so far yeah, yeah, no, Sperani <laughs> I think okay. and, and the real boss yeah. behind the scenes was Vincent Ocean ah. so it's not based on real at all is it <laughs> it's like ridiculous you read these this, is a, this is a history an Italian map, map. Yeah. I, mean, I knew you'd be good at this no it? like I said if anyone's interested go on YouTube this is for you as well there's okay. a documentary called The Real Sopranos and it's an hour long documentary uh, but it's a British one and it's all about the, the, the real Delvacanti family and it shows you the parallels between the Sopranos and I mean I've only, I've only touched on a few of them mm. there's loads of them they even had a gay person ah, who no, ran away yeah, no, and they cool. wanted to kill him but in the real story the, 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 he, he wouldn't do it because no. he, he was his friend in, in the, this has come up a little bit in series 6 I think brilliant but, but there's um, what are the main things in between series 2, 3, 4 and 5 now I read that there was Meadow's boyfriend went to work for Tony as a, a construction line and saw that bloke giving uh, no, no, it was, yeah, it was fellatio really, to we're, another we're, security no, guard it's, like it's a proper YMCA moment <laughs> because she sees it and she sees a man with a hat on and all of a sudden he pops up he's like oh, <laughs> and the thing is you forget before that he knows that he knows he's gay because he he Vinny tries to pick up her ah, boyfriend right right and uh, he says to him meet me at the uh, baseball game hmm. meet you need to and he thinks he can scare him but he doesn't turn up 
and this is why he has to run away. Ah, and this is right, where it all comes. Right, it's a big right. long story, but it's an amazing story. That guy's story is amazing because there's been shit loads of one of my friends there of gay mafia mm. people. Yeah, loads of them in history, right? Because most of them are quite screwed up people. Yeah. I'm not saying that gay people are screwed up, but they've got issues. And they so what they do? So what do they do? If you everyone thinks you're effeminate and gay, what do you do? You become a badass fucking gangster mm. who bullies everyone. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say they got problems. No, uh, but I, I mean the gangsters. I mean oh, the, the gangsters. gangsters you mean, yeah. In their world, oh, to, before, before no, we have every no, 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 no. I don't mean that because I think if you're in gay in that, they'll kill you. Yeah. Well, a bit. Do you think they kill you? I know this is slightly. Uh, do you think that's the reason why we? You know, it's quite clear. I know this in the newspaper today. Um, regarding uh, you know there's obviously must be homosexual people in, in football we're talking about British football yeah. one in five isn't it yeah no you know, I, think, I think we've moved I think we've moved on in, in, in this world where you know especially, especially over here in America now especially as well with, with Obama coming in you know being gay is nothing no one cares you know because you know, we're so thankfully so free spirited now it's like yeah brilliant banger yeah. but it's a shame that in the certain organisations like, like British football I'm not too sure I don't know if it's the same in American football or anything I can imagine it is it's even is. more bloody uh, it's the locker, locker room, room, it, yeah. that you can't come out and, and say that you go I think it's such a shame in the mafia, I suppose, as you say, you've got to be all, you know, all it's looking much on this and that. It's No, it's, and there is, and, you know, and, um, like I said, I've always read about the mafia, and it was never talked about, mm. and it was brilliant how they brought this into it, yeah. and there was, like I said, he said he weren't based on, but there's a real bloody bloke in it who did happen to, oh, but like okay. I said, in the real film, he let him off, because it basically, they were so weak by then, that basically, the mafia don't want to go, Jim Lee, they don't want to kill people. Mm. Where there's a body, there's a crime. Yeah. They don't want the police investigating and that crime and getting back to them. Yeah. So then really they'd rather scare you off. And in the real thing, they'd have scared him off and he went to live in another city. But it, it, it was because in it, it Vinny run away to go and live in this little town and yeah. had this lovely relationship with this fireman. So, and it, the two episodes of it, and when you it's beauty it's really lovely and you think, but he can't live in it, bored, mm. he gets bored and goes back. Mm. That's and a shame, and it's a horrible death how they kill him. It's horrible. Now, can I ask you about um, Adriana as well? Yeah, which is uh, Christopher's uh, girlfriend. Yeah, it's the most. I always thought it was the most shocking storyline mm. in it because it was Sil. Sil, until this moment, right? She was being blackmailed because someone had got killed in a cl- uh, club. It wasn't nothing to do with Christopher, mm. and the police found out, and the blackmailed her into just taking license plates or the mafia people turned at the club. It got worse and worse and worse and worse and it destroyed her because she loved Christopher mm. and they're all her friends and family mm. but they found out well she told Christopher yeah. and Christopher what a lovely loving partner my entire time now because yeah. this shows even Christopher oh Christopher's a nice guy he was, he was scumbag and he had mm. his own wife with a, it was gonna be he, did he kill her? no it was uh, it's Silly who killed her oh. and it was the most shocking bit because before that you thought Silly was the funny one mm. he was a nice guy he was just to meet people and he picked her up. He went and picked her up and she said, Where are you taking me? Because I'm taking to see Christopher. And they're driving, and you could see in her face, she knew. Mm. She knew something was going to happen. And he just, and it was a horrible line. And I'll say it because there's it, it no yeah, other no, way no, of saying it. Uh, she pulls up and she goes, What are you doing, Syl? And he walks around, over the road, goes, Get out, you cunt. And he drugs her out, drags her thing, the shoots in the head. Mm. And you'd never saw Syl done it. And it's like, I remember watching it with my wife. It's like, oh my God, mm. Syl's is bad. Because that's it. They're all bad. Brilliant writer, There's, though. Exactly. Because, like I said, Syl play, it was such a funny guy in it. Mm. He was a one wise cracking. He was a conciliary. The conciliary meant Did, to be... Didn't Christopher want, want to do the job? Or was he just Well, he didn't it. know what to do with her. Uh, he hated her because 
She turned, turned. Turned and thing. And to him, he only ever wanted... When he got to become maid in the first series, that's all he ever wanted because his dad was a criminal again. was just like... He's, he, you know, he's no but reason. he had aspirations of what he wanted to be a writer. Well, he, he got that was changed. He changed. But he always... This was his problem. He mm. could never leave it. Because whenever he did, he'd become a writer. He wanted to run a club. He couldn't help... He wanted to be a mobster. And you can't have your two... No. You can't have your two lives... You got if you're a criminal, you're a criminal. Um, now, I, I saw some of uh, series six, and um, so a little bit I do recognise this, but um, I'm going to be yeah, so anything that stands out, mm. jumping, okay? Uh, at the beginning of the sixth season, Tony's shot by the now senile and confused Uncle Junior. Yeah. Uh, rendered comatose, dro- uh, Tony Ooh. dreams he is a salesman on a business trip where he mistakenly exchanges his briefcase and identification with a man named Kevin Finerty. Uh, Tony's recovery from the shooting changes his outlook. And he tries to mend his ways. However, he is faced with more problems uh, in his business uh, now, life. Now, the, 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 I tell you weirdly, watch, when I first watched The Sopranos, right, mm. I didn't like the dream sequences and I didn't like the coma bits. I was thought, oh, that's a bit bloody pretentious. Watching it back, yeah. have you got after that initial shock? It's fantastic. And that bit where he's with Mr. Infinity. He's brilliant because there's a brilliant bit because basically they're trying to bring him back. It's mm. about him dying and Steve Buscemi is in his dream. Ah. It's a brilliant bit and he's a, in his, and in it, he's a concierge at a hotel and he, and he walks up and he goes, oh, your room's ready. Is his character still in it at that point? Or did he no, he died he because died he felt guilt about it, what he did to tell him that he felt guilt. And this was a lot of it. And he's like trying to get him to die. He was like, come with me. Your room's ready. Ah. Because I, I can't, I can't. And he doesn't know, and he comes back out. And it, like I said, when you watch, it's an amazing. Bit. Bit like it's about four episodes, and it's quite weird when you first watch. I thought, oh, it's a bit crap, but mm. it makes sense because if he's Tony's a, con, you know, he's confused. He's got so many things going on in his life. How on earth could you have any consistency in your life? Yeah. When. One minute you're a violent gangster murdering people, but you're also a loving father, and because he's really good to his kids. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's really good to his yeah. kids. Uh, now, once out of the hospital, Johnny Sack's daughter gets married, and the Soprano family attends. Uh, once there, Tony's shown very exhausted, and through security, must take off his shoes. Uh, in the process, he collapses to the ground, but he's not hurt. Before the wedding, Johnny Sack is approved to leave prison for six hours to see his daughter get married, and that he has to pay for the metal detectors and the presence of the US Marshals at the event. As his daughter is about to drive away, the SUV that was escorting Johnny to the wedding blocks the car from leaving, and an altercation begins in the driveway. In a moment of weakness and despair, Johnny Sack cries as he is put back yeah. into handcuffs and driven back to prison, greatly diminishing the respect his crew and Tony's crew have have for him I've never well, it, seen that but well, it's really important that because um, Johnny Sachs he's, he's an old school badass gangster doesn't he have his wife a bit big there's a big joke about that, <laughs> yeah, that about well, a car with well a car. Paulie Walnuts spreads rumours see because a lot of the trouble causing all the brand is Paulie Walnuts yeah. because he's a troublemaker mm. he's frustrated that he ain't the boss because remember he's around with Tony's dad yeah. and that's how he knows him and it annoys him so he's constantly spreading rumours to destroy everyone and um, but Johnny Sachs and he speaks about Johnny Sachs is such a good character and it's there and it shows weakness and it isn't weakness because when he cries on the floor you've got his underboss he's a bloke called uh, Phil Leotardo his mm. name is and he's a badass he is he like has losing all respect for him where Tony's like no, it's his daughter's wedding. 
He's mm. been going back to prison. He's never going to see her again. Of course, he's going to be upset. And this is where Tony starts realising that he is different than these gangsters. Mm. And it, and that is set up so well. That's the key to the it's, end. It's so brilliant that, you know, that Tony has a bit of empathy for people. Mm. Not much. But all the others are even worse. But Tony has to get rid of that. There's a brilliant scene, right? When he comes out of hospital, Tony, he's in a car, right? And he's had this thing, and he's with a big muscle, muscly guy as his driver. And all the way through it, he keeps staring out of his eye, keeps staring out of his eye, keeps looking at his muscles. Yeah. Keeps staring at his muscles, keeps staring at his muscles. And he, know, he notices him, because like, I'll, I'll work you out uh, a, a plan for you. And Tony's like, oh, well, no, I've done this. I've been in, I've been in. I've been in prison. I've been in. I've been in hospital. So that's why I'm going in. Later on, he keeps he keeps him, keeps staying at him. He keeps staying at him. He's sitting there. This bloke. He's, he's a nice guy. He's a really big, muscly guy. Tony says, "What? Where, where you put the coffee?" He goes, "I put the coffee anywhere." He goes, "Where you put the fucking coffee?" He goes, "I put the coffee." Where you put the fucking coffee? He gets up and he beats the shit out of him because he knows for a while he can't hit him back. Mm. And it shows you the pettiness of Tony. It's all about virility because he's only doing this because he sees he's getting old. And these younger people, so he has to prove. And it's a horrible scene, but you know, there's a brilliant scene where he's washing his hands and he throws up thinking about it, but there's a brilliant bit he looks back. That's when he kills that guy, doesn't he? He's a cover with a big smile on his face. Oh. And it shows you that he's not a nice guy, Tony. He's half a nice guy, and, and this makes it worse for him. Because all these other people are scumbags, and they're 100% scumbags. They know where they are, he doesn't, and that's what it's all about. And at the end, he still doesn't. After six seasons, it's still never accomplished and he had another series mm. and I think in that other series he probably would have been would have yeah, yeah. he either would have been killed <clears throat> Ma- mafia bosses generally end up dead or in prison for the rest of their lives yeah. in a Rico charge so now you you talking earlier on about Vito and his, uh, his homosexuality yeah. he was a, a cook that he uh, settled down with it's a, it, it, well, he's <laughs> a, not a stereotypical fire well no no he is no, he's, a fire, he's, a, he's in the reserve oh, yeah, fire, reserve fire. So that's when he first sees him ah yeah, that's what no, we've seen, yeah. Yeah, he does say here that uh, eventually Vito returns to New Jersey and asks Tony to allow him to return back, albeit in Atlanta City. He continues to maintain, he's not, maintain that he's not a homosexual. And Tony mulls over his decision to let him back to work as well, whether to let him live. When Tony fails to act, Phil intervenes and kills Batorsky. It's a horrible scene. Uh, yeah, does he kill him? It well, it's, it, it, the worst thing about it is like you think, well, you're going to kill someone, shoot them. Mm. They, he walks into his room... One hits him on the head with a baseball bat, he falls on the floor, then Phil Leotardo walks up and then he sits on the bed and he gets really close watching him and they're just batting with a baseball bat but he's just there watching it and the blood is spurting all over his face. Yeah. And it shows you the pettiness of him because it's all about that he's married to Phil Leotardo's wife. Uh. And that, uh, sister, so to say sister, that makes sense. And that's the reason he'd kill someone that bad yeah. because it's an insult to the family name even though there's a bit where Tony goes everyone's got gay members in the family yeah. but you can't come out and say it. and it shows their petty world I always say it's a weird world I always talk to my wife about it saying that, that it's very interesting that these people opt out of society because they don't want to follow rules mm. they join a society that's got even more rules Yeah, it's a very yeah, very, a very strange, strange thing yeah now, um, when one of the members of the New York family, Fat Dom Gimiello, pays a visit to the Jersey office and he won't stop making jokes about yes. Vito and his death, the two members of Tony's crime family who are present kill Fat Dom out of anger Still at the is. disrespect he has shown. <laughs> Once more, it appears that the families are on the verge of war. But there again, that also shows 
that although he was gay that they were sticking up for him but it's a little bit too late there it's that weird old that's it that you know because I think Tony Tony would have let him off in it Mm. well not let him because the point is there's a big thing in the mafia they call it you'll be alive in the mafia if you're a big earner Big, uh, big thing that happened. I was going to skip that because it's a bit long. But um, now, Tony considers killing several of his associates for the relatively minor infractions. Christopher is unable to leave them up, uh, deflecting his problems by relapsing into drug oh, addiction yeah. and kills his friend from Narcotics Anonymous, J.T. Dolan. He is then uh, seriously injured in a car accident while driving under the influence. Tony, the sole passenger, is not badly hurt and suffocates Christopher to death. Now he does that because he turns around and sees that is it a branch girl has gone through the child seat. And he realised that if there was a kid in there, Christopher would have killed the kid, and that's the reason why he finally loses his temper and kills him. You know, it's the only bit I'm unsure about, you know, and all of it because Christopher was like his son, and there's a bit in it, you know, about West, uh, Alec Baldwin was in it. Mm. Alec Baldwin, Christopher writes a film called Cleaver, which is about a mug guy, right? And the show you're filming that, and Stephen Baldwin is playing Tony Soprano. Ah, right. Even in his white vest oh, really? and his dressing gown and this is where he starts to realise that Christopher thinks he gets wary of Christopher because he thinks mm. oh Christopher's laughing at me but he's not he's just that what the writers the right what you know, what you know. Yeah. And, and that's it and it's the only thing I'm a bit unsure about is the way he kills Christopher because he helped Christopher loads of times and he helped him but that's that's the thing though isn't it? there's only so much you can do there's only so many times you can turn around and say oh it's only him I, I think he was that. worried about as well that maybe Christopher might flip yeah. because he was screwed up about Adriana because he did love Adriana yeah. that was the thing he did and he, he fucked up the bloody how he got rid of the, the car and everything so you're probably thinking oh is it all going to come back it's going to come but back but it's yeah. the only bit when I watch it what's it second time, I don't know if I agree with it but then again you're not meant to you're, you're, not, you're not meant to maybe that's the point that oh he would do this because he's a psychopath Last bit now. Uh, Johnny Sack dies from lung cancer while imprisoned, and the Litardo then consolidates his position in the Lupitazzi family by having his rivals for the leadership killed. Phil then officially takes over, igniting a resumption of the past feud with Tony and refusing to compromise. Compromise while Tony on a garbage deal. When Toby, Toby, Toby. Yeah, <laughs> when Tony assaults a Lupitazzi soldier for harassing Meadow while she's out on a date, Phil decides it's time to de- uh, sort out the Soprano crew. He orders the executions of Bobby Bacalli, who is yeah. shot to death. Uh, Silvio, in a, in a, who ends up, uh, in a ends up train, comatose. Yeah. Is he dead, Silvio? Is he not dead? He just says comatose. Eh? Well, yeah, you, which is it. You, he's, in the end, the last thing is in thing. You, yeah. you don't know, you know. Uh, and Tony goes into hiding. A deal is brokered uh, whereby the rest of the Lepazzi family agrees to ignore the orders to, to kill Tony, giving Tony an opportunity to go after Phil. Yeah. An FBI agent informs Tony of Phil's location, yeah. allowing Tony to have him killed. Tony suspects that the Carlo Acapo from New Jersey has become an informant in an attempt to help out his son, who has recently been caught for dealing ecstasy. Mm. Yeah. I see what I mean, life uh, imitating art. Yeah, oh, yes. <laughs> uh, Tony meets with his lawyer, who informs him that the subpoenas are being. Subpoenas. The subpoenas. Subpoenas. The subpoenas are being given to New Jersey and New York crews alike. Sometime after Phil's death and the meeting with everyone, Tony, Camilla and AJ meet for dinner. While the Journey song, Don't Stop Believing, plays in the background, at this time, several individuals become apparent that seem out of place for the venue. Yeah. It's a really ambiguous ending Mm. because it's all about about his gun, right? Because he loses his gun in Series 3. It's always mentioned. They're going to get back to it. And at the end, you think, what is it? Is it another mob hit? Are they going to kill him? Mm. Because... You can't kill a made man in the mob, even if you're a made man yourself. You can't do it, and he kills a made man. 
and or is it the FBI going to arrest him mm. or is it just you looking for things yeah, you don't at- know and I, I, loads of people don't like I liked it I did because it, you know it's just going to carry on yeah while he's boss whoever's boss this will always be happening the police will always be after him and the other mob families will be always after him but he just carries on normal and that's why it is you don't stop believing you just carry on now you just say that um, the camera's kind of focused on it so it gives the audience the kind of thing that they will focus and I've seen the, the end as yeah. well Meadow is shown coming to the dinner late and crossing the street as the rest of the family starts to eat an appetizer an individual that had been previously shown at the counter specifically take notice of Tony is shown entering the restroom the door of which is directly facing and approximately 90 degrees to the table at which Tony's family is sitting as Meadow walks up to the door the screen goes to Tony the diner door opens with the bell ringing Tony looks up and the show smash cuts to black after a few seconds the credit roll in silence leaving his family and the family's fate in a mystery Chase's decision to end the last episode abruptly with just a black screen was controversial while Chase was insistent that it was not his intention to stir controversy, uh, the ambiguity over the ending and question of whether Tony was murdered had continued for years after the finale's original broadcast and has spawned, of course, numerous websites devoted to finding out if this was the true intention. But, like everything, you will never know. No, because I don't, I don't know if people said, oh, he's gonna, he ain't going to do it again. No. It, what's, the po- what's, the, what, what's the point? And I'll tell you, it was an, an interesting thing as well. If anyone's interested in this, the Seal character, I've told you, there's, a, there's just been a series from Norway on called uh, Lilyhammer. Mm. And basically, it's about a bloke who could be Seal, who goes on the run to live in Norway. Oh, and right. he plays, he's basically playing Seal, but he ain't Seal, but he is Seal, because he yeah. plays exactly the same. The same he's even dresses, he even voices the same, and even yeah, talks the same. Saw, yeah, he even talks, yeah, everything's yeah. the same, and it's absolutely brilliant because he's, he parodies that Seal character, oh, that okay. he's tough in it, because he is tough, mm. but he's also a bit of an idiot. <laughs> but it's a brilliant series, it's, I'd say it's a bit of a, an extra for the Sopranos, funny if not, sorry, what's Lee it's, it's something nice to watch. It, it's something, it's oh, a different okay. mob thing, but it's very, very good. Uh, I'm just going to briefly talk about the, the main characters and then we're going to end the show because we've gone over a little bit. Uh, but James Joseph Gandolfini Jr., born September the 18th, 1961, so he's 51 years old, born in Westwood, New Jersey. His mother, Santa, a high school lunch lady, uh, born in the US and raised in Napoli, Italy. His father, James Joseph Gandolfini Sr., a native of Bolocata in Italy, was a bricklayer and cement mason, and later the head of custodian Palmer's Catholic High Church. Hmm. Now, we, I saw a video the other day of uh, James Gandolfini. Uh, someone was filming him as he was looking in a sandwich stall, and uh, he was exactly like um, Tony Soprano. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's brilliant, isn't he? In, um, in the loop. In the loop. He's brilliant in that, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. No, he's he brilliant. He could never even kill someone. You, you, you look like you're fan on him. Yeah. yeah he's brilliant. Uh, pretty good actor, but uh, I think, unfortunately, severely typecast, I think. Well, uh, there was a bit where he started believing, because he was getting, you know, you've got to think that by Series 3, he was getting a million dollars an episode. Mm. That's really yeah. crazy. So when probably doesn't need to work again, but uh, I think as he started, I think he got into the habit of not being soprano. He liked being like a lot of them did. They like you know. This is the thing about this this dark appeal of yeah. a mob figure. It comes from James Cagney in America. That's where it comes from. Everyone, everyone wants to be James Cagney. Ah, uh, Edith Falco. Edith Falco, born July fifth, nineteen sixty three. Uh, was born in Brooklyn, New York. The, uh, the daughter of Judy Sanderson, an actress, and Frank Falco, a jazz drummer. Um, her uncle is novelist, playwright and poet Edward Falco, an English professor at Virginia Tech in Blacksburg. She was raised in West Ilslip on Long Island and um, she's done stuff... Well, she attended the acting programme with Stanley Tukey and Ving Rhames. 
Mm. Uh, who she's very good friends with, and he's now styling in Nurse Jackie, uh, which I, I think is actually pretty neat. Yeah, that's, that's the one where she's like a bit like addicted to painkillers. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Uh, James Michael Impaglio, born March 26, 1966. He's actually quite old now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we mainly know him, of course, for being in uh, Goodfellas. Uh, he got his foot shot. Uh, he was also in the uh, played uh, Ray Carling in the US version of Life on Mars. Which I watched, anyway, I watched uh, the first episode of that. I don't know, it was so disappointing the last time I couldn't bother watching the American one. Uh, Lorraine Bracco, born October 2nd, 1954. No, age 58. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, again, we know her through uh, Goodfellas. Um, so, yeah, pretty pretty interesting list there, Gunnar. Um, like I said, I could, I'll give you hours. I'll give you hours exactly, about yeah. all this I mean, stuff. I mean, to be fair, we've also got stuff there about some of the other people, but it's just so. You've talked already about. The guy who played Paul Tony Zeko played Paul Lewandowski. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't, yeah, yeah. don't really need to go into any more details about it. Um, fantastic TV series. Probably the... Oh, thank you for making that annoying noise, computer, which will be on there. Um, probably the most frequent TV series I think we've probably done on Waffle On. Uh, and I know we decided to do it because, as we say, it, it launched HBO as a TV, uh, a very dominant TV channel. Now probably one of the most oh, dominant TV channels for independent making. And also... I remember me and you always said that you see the, you see the sign HBO you know it's got class straight away. Oh yeah, well, I was, I was reading that the, the ne- uh, this year's budget was four hundred and fifty million dollars to make TV. That wow, had. that's good, isn't it? No, this is why. With well, this is why, <laughs> when you see stuff like Boardwalk Empire Soprano, it looks so mad because they've got mm. because you know I know it's not film, but TV can sometimes can eat more budget than a film. Yeah, if yeah. you want to make it properly. And that was the best thing about Soprano. It never looked cheap. No. Well, it has to, I suppose, when you think about it. If you're having 13 episodes and each one's 45 minutes long, you know, you're looking at well, at least five films, aren't that's you? That's all the budget of bloody British TV altogether, isn't it? <laughs> I think so. It's all going to strictly come dancing, I think. And then, so the other thing about I loved about Sopranos, it's only just a quick appendage at the end, is the fact that I just love the music in it. Mm. Now, you know, I said that you'd watch it. It's like, I remember watching it and it had like uh, John Cooper Clark bloody Chicken Town. Now, it's such an obscure record from the late 70s. I thought, how hey, the hell? Mm. And Fra- the- Frank Sinatra's very good year which started off season it's, two. Oh, it's one of the best beginnings ever where it's got a uh, good year and he's got him strangling someone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, that was the final. I hope you enjoyed it. I know we may have seen like we've, we've waffled on a bit. We've been nearly an hour and a half into it which is, uh, I don't know how we've gone through that but, you know, you it's worth it, I think. Uh, 90 minutes worth of, uh, of the Sopranos is always good. Cal, what are we doing for our Christmas episode? Do you remember? We are doing Scrooge. We are. Duh. Well, Scrooge. Well, no, we're talking about every. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to try and talk about Not every. Everyone, everyone, no, 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 no. We're going to. We're going to mention, talk about it near enough every single uh, TV and film version of The Christmas Carol. Could be a bit of a journey, that one, I reckon. Yeah. But well, obviously. obviously, obviously Scrooge, no, we're going to say, like, like you know. One. Yeah, we're going to be saying, like, oh, there was one in 1926. But no, that's what we'll do until we get to ones that we really love, like Alistair Sin, the Patrick Stewart, the Albert Finney, the Muppets. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bill Murray and all that so you expect that um, so if you want to send in a comment about your favourite version of The Christmas Carol please do to wafflonpodcast at gmail.com and we'll read it out of course join our Facebook group Jen's going to tell you a little bit about that but there will the be anything we are not doing the one with Grant with bloody uh, Ross Kemp we will talk about that <laughs> no, no we will no. talk about that because I want to because <laughs> I quite like it because oh. <laughs> it is so bad and then after that we've got our four year anniversary in January we actually started Waffle on in November this month actually four years ago but we didn't really produce a, an episode I think I did a preview episode yeah, in January yeah, 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 yeah. 
and so it's our four year anniversary and we decided what we was going to do we had loads of um, ideas on our Facebook page thank you to everyone on there and uh, I think we decided we're going to do a wee competition aren't we in which oh uh, yeah, yeah 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 in which um, we're hopefully going to get a couple of mugs done um, which I think I can that's do not us. <laughs> that's not, not us no we're not, we're, not, we're not giving away ourselves because uh, <laughs> In fact, to be fair, I think the wives are more than happy to give us away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're going to give away a couple of mugs and uh, probably something else we can find. Maybe <laughs> we can ruffle up some DVD we don't want. Um, yeah. And basically what it's going to be is we're going to do a whole episode of TV themes that both me and Carol really like. Oh, yeah, yeah. And obviously we're not going to tell you what they are because that would be pointless. And you've got to answer every single one and then email us the answers. Um, so it's going to be around about an hour of just TV themes and film themes which is not your dream it's my dream when I first married Alex all he had was like records with uh, theme tunes he was Jeff Love and his orchestra <laughs> doing all that so that's the plan anyway so if you're up for that it'd be great uh, of course if nobody bothers to send him don't well, bother me we've got two mugs and, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and balls to you so anyway that's the episode Cal thanks again sir it's okay man and um, we'll all see you in December for the Christmas episode take care everyone bye Oh, and before we go, uh, we've got Jen about Facebook, and then we're going to have some promos, and then we're going to play that song that you like. Which oh, is, yeah, yeah, this is, yeah. It's, uh, go on, what is it? It's Journey, Don't Stop Believing. If you would like to voice your opinions in written or vocal form, then please do email the lads at waffleonpodcast at gmail.com and await your views to be aired and then royally torn apart or praised. If you stalk the internet and hide in such social networks as Facebook, then why not join the group page? It's easy to do. Just type Waffle on Podcast in the search bar, find the page, and join. This has been a Waffle on Production. Copyright Simon Meddings and Mark C. Kelly, 2012. That was a scene in California's Mojave Desert five years ago. Our historic first view of the newcomer's ship. Theirs was a slave ship carrying a quarter million beings bred to adapt and labor in any environment. But they've washed ashore on Earth with no way to get back to where they came from. And in the last five years, the newcomers have become the latest addition to the population of Los Angeles. Alienation, the newcomers podcast, is a fan cast devoted to the groundbreaking but short-lived TV series Alienation. This series tackles social issues like racism, bigotry, and intolerance with an alien twist. Each month, we will bring you a podcast dedicated to a single episode. The host will give you their thoughts on the episode, as well as some little-known behind-the-scenes information. So please subscribe to Alienation, the newcomer's podcast on iTunes, or visit our website at alienationpodcast.com. Have you ever experienced uncontrollable bouts of geekdom? If so, the Anomaly podcast may be right for you. In clinical studies, Anomaly's interviews, convention reports, commentary on geek culture, games, sci-fi and fantasy television, literature, and film provided a feeling of fullness while promoting health for optimal geekiness. The Anomaly podcast is not suitable for all people. Only geekily active cool chicks with a healthy sense of humor should listen. Geekily active cool guys should listen too. Anomaly has resulted in sudden fits of squee. Broad smiles may appear without warning and could become permanent. The most common side effects of Anomaly are unconsciously joining in the Gamma Quadrant Golf Clap out loud, at work, to the amusement of co-workers, and attempting to interject opinions aloud to hosts who can't hear the listener. 
But in all cases, the benefits outweigh the risks. Ask your anomaly if you're healthy enough for entertainment of this caliber. You don't need a doctor's messy handwriting to obtain a free subscription. Anomaly is available over-the-counter at Stitcher Radio and in the iTunes, Zune, and BlackBerry stores. You can also stream episodes of Anomaly and Anomaly Supplemental at AnomalyPodcast.com. That's A-N-O-M-A-L-Y Podcast.com. Just one one-hour episode provides 24 hours of relief and never leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Music by Jewelbeat. Do you ever wish you could go back in time? Join me on Out of Range Podcast, and you almost can, when I rediscover childhood favourites from TV, movies, toys, comic books, and much more. The usually irregular, but always entertaining geeky media show, Out of Range, can be found at dangelous.com slash outofrange... Search for Out of Range in iTunes or the podcast app of your choice. After a mere flourish of episodes, the little pod of horrors disappeared yet again. No one knew where until now. Oh, can I come out, please? Not until you say the words, the pre-approved script. Yes. It seems that Boz took over and locked Gordon away until he would admit that Evil Dead 2 is in fact a good film. If you don't say it, you will be dead by dawn, I swear. Nope, I'm not saying it. Can't make me. You can do whatever you want. I like it down here. Okay, you've asked for this. Ah! No! Look, oh, that's the best you've got. I've watched Hostel. <laughs> so as you can see, they're back. But still not quite. Eye to eye. The little pod of horrors. Find it on iTunes.